Are we living in the negative world? There is a new positive attitude toward Christianity in our time, and elite ideology is targeting heretics against cultural leftism, not Christians. Since 2014, changes in political ideology toward cancel culture on the left and political tribalism on the right have been relatively obvious to observers. Conservative Christian concern is often focused on the cancel culture and the central place of sexual and gender ideology in it. However, social psychologists Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff, co-author with him of The Coddling of the American Mind, originally observed changes on college campuses at the psychological level before things ever reached the political level. Lukianoff observed college student attitudes on free speech and censorship shifting strongly against free speech around 2014. Haidt and others later gathered psychological evidence of significant increases in anxiety and depression from college students at that time, changes which he argues are closely related to teenage social media use. This increased susceptibility to negative emotion by college-age students has led to an attempt by campus administrators to protect them from ideas they deem harmful. At the same time, political and cultural changes were afoot to give elite approval to the ideas of cultural leftism. The Obergefell decision in 2015 was quickly followed by a strong push for transgender rights, a sharp change from when Obama in 2008 opposed gay marriage, citing his own Christian religious tradition. Corporations began to host sensitivity training on sexual and racial matters. Stories of individuals being canceled for running afoul of these ideas began to abound. A new movement of liberals disaffected from the cultural left arose. And then Jordan Peterson arose as the figurehead of a, for several years, politically nonpartisan opposition to the cultural leftism that he called postmodern neo-Marxism. On the political front, Trump arose as a kind of middle finger to the cultural left, which further enraged the left and probably strengthened its conviction, not to mention corporations' intent to prove that they were not racist or otherwise bigoted. The country has continued to divide along the lines of people's feelings about Trump on the one hand and cultural leftism, wokeism, on the other. Is this the negative world? Several weeks ago, Aaron Wren noted that Jonathan Haidt's analysis of a significant cultural change coincided with his identification of 2014 as the point of transition from the neutral world to the negative world. The neutral world was the phase of American culture from 1994 to 2014 in which being a Christian was seen as socially neutral, one lifestyle choice among others. The negative world is the period since 2014 in which being a Christian is decidedly a social negative, at least according to the prevailing zeitgeist. However, rather than Haidt's analysis supporting Wren's, this observation made me wonder whether the negative world isn't just the kind of psychological and political changes Haidt identified as commencing in 2014. The campus cancel culture, increased levels of anxiety and depression, and newly ascendant cultural leftist ideology. If so, this real change does not have Christianity per se as its target, but rather particular heresies relative to its ideology, committed as often by Christians as by classical liberals, secular conservatives, 
and even old-school Marxists. What is more, since 2014, particularly since 2016, I have also observed a new openness to Christianity that is just as distinctive of this cultural period, such that calling this phase the negative world misses out on the distinctive new openness to Christianity. By viewing this cultural change in secular terms as a psychological and political phenomenon, Christians could avoid cultivating unnecessary fear and develop positive strategies effectively to engage this world with its unique dangers and opportunities. Christianity and Politics in the New World In Aaron Wren's analysis, this phase of American culture can be designated the negative world, because in it, being known as a Christian is a social negative, compared to previous eras in which it was socially positive or neutral. It should be said that Wren identifies these as three phases of the decline of American Christianity, at least in its cultural dominance. But is the post-2014 era best characterized as one in which being known as a Christian is a social negative, or rather one in which dissenting from cultural leftism is a social negative because of the ascendancy of that ideology? It is important to raise this question because evangelical churches and movements have themselves been divided along the lines of support of or opposition to Trump and opposition to or partial embrace of cultural leftism. This new divide is exactly the thing that Wren has sought to illuminate. I made my own contribution in my article, The Evangelical Critics of the Evangelical Majority. However, it reveals that the new era is not characterized by opposition to Christianity per se, but rather by devotion to a set of culturally leftist ideas and opposition to any dissent. Among Christians who have merely moderate or moderately progressive sympathies, while retaining a Christian ethic, they often feel much more at home in that setting, even seeing it as an improvement. They don't feel the negative world. In my own recent experience, I am thinking about folks in the Side B community and other critical evangelicals who are at least temporarily aligned against the religious right. Now, some of us, Wren and myself included, believe that those cultural dogmas are objectively contrary to Christian teaching or at least many aspects of them are. But it is still not the Christianity per se that is the object of cultural scorn. It is, if anything, the political conservatism, sex realism, or classical liberalism that opposes cultural leftist dogmas, which is the object of scorn. If you view things this way, the new left is actually less anti-religious. It is not primarily atheistic, Famously, atheists have come into its crosshairs. It is primarily culturally leftist and egalitarian. Now, Wren's specific thesis is that elite, including corporate culture, has shifted from a kind of liberal neutrality toward Christianity to a position of moral criticism. I still believe that this is quite plausible, but the moral criticism is focused on areas like sexual ethics, where Christians run afoul of the new dogmas. The atheism is less vocal, the progressive morality more vocal. I also don't want to ignore that there has been persecution of Christians in this context, but it always has to do with leftist dogma, like the refusal by some Christian bakers to bake cakes for gay weddings. The culture is actually welcoming of Christians to modify their views and teaching, 
they don't care about most of our theological doctrines, only those points of divergence from cultural or moral leftism. A new positive world? While the ascendant cultural left does not have an explicit stance toward Christianity, of course, some of its academic counterparts do, the new online intellectual center-right does. In fact, it is more open to Christianity, recognizing Christianity's key cultural and social role in Western liberal civilization, even being the moral ancestor of progressivism. This was a change from the era of new atheism, resulting in a set of new, new atheists, as Stephen Meyer calls them, who do not themselves believe, but who do have a positive view of Christianity. While many view the right's response to the post-2014 changes as primarily socially negative, with Trump himself being representative, the online center-right has had much more nuance. Jordan Peterson and the intellectual dark web were a politically and religiously diverse, sophisticated response to cultural leftism. Admittedly, Peterson's work has taken a, a notable rightward turn in recent years, which subjects him to the temptations of political partisanship, to which he has sometimes succumbed. Nevertheless, the primary thrust of Peterson's project has been an apolitical one, primarily psychological and even theological. In this era, there has been a new openness to Christianity. This openness is often politically and intellectually motivated. An individual comes to believe that Western culture depends on Judeo-Christian foundations and then begins to explore whether he or she can embrace those religious foundations. Ayan Hirsi Ali's conversion is emblematic. Peterson's wife has recently been baptized Catholic, and his daughter, Michaela, has begun to attend an evangelical church, that of Mark Driscoll. Evangelicals have sometimes been unnecessarily critical of Peterson and his ilk as not sufficiently Christian. In doing so, I think they have missed out on this spiritual moment, with some notable exceptions, like Paul Vanderclay. Justin Brierley has traced the surprising rebirth of belief in God in his new book and podcast by the same title. Reading and listening to that work provides a real challenge to the idea that our time is defined by a negative stance toward Christianity. Rekindling the Religious Right Given that Wren's intellectual work has actually been inspired by Jordan Peterson, I think Wren would acknowledge these features of the negative world, which are actually quite positive for Christianity. Indeed, instead of embracing negativity and fear, Wren has cautioned against adopting the strategy of a Trumpian populist or of the religious right, Christian nationalism, and the culture war. In fact, he has argued that the culture war strategy is just as ineffective in the negative world as the cultural engager strategy. I think some of his readers misunderstand him, for example, those who do not think there is anything to avoid in fundamentalism. Nevertheless, Wren's rhetoric of the negative world ends up playing into the kinds of fears that motivate the religious right and the culture war strategy. While Wren is simply more sophisticated and highbrow than premillennial dispensationalists, the story that ours is a world newly and uniquely hostile to Christianity plays into the evangelical fears that stop careful thought. Nicholas MacDonald recently argued the same about Carl Truman's book, 
the rise and triumph of the modern self, which attempted to give intellectual underpinning to conservative Christian concerns about the direction of culture, especially sexual and gender ideology. Opposite Truman's approach, MacDonald sets Tom Holland's monumental Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World, a work that undoubtedly fits within the realm of the intellectual dark web, the new new atheists, and the recent openness to Christianity. In Holland's narrative, even contemporary secular progressivism, with its cancel culture and puritanism, is the fruit of the Christian revolution. Progressivism's concern for the oppressed is the reversal of pagan attitudes that denigrated the weak and favored the strong. While Holland himself has experienced cancellation from the cultural left, his narrative provides grounds to affirm elements of contemporary progressivism, at least in their intent. From this, MacDonald develops a conversation strategy that takes shared features of Christian and progressive morality and uses them as a launchpad for gospel conversations. There is something remarkably constructive and win-win in such interactions, in contrast to the kind of conversations I criticized evangelicals for engaging in several weeks ago. Another danger of Christians viewing the ascendant cultural left as an object of fear and as something totally opposed to Christianity is that they will fail to register legitimate critiques of evangelical attitudes and positions. I have found this particularly in the side B discussion of the Christian sexual ethic. I know that many of the Christians who read Carl Truman or Aaron Wren, like myself, are inclined to view side B and revoice as just an evangelical iteration of woke ideology. Hence, Rosaria Butterfield's lumping of side B together with side A, gay marriage affirming, as gay Christianity. Indeed, to the chagrin of many conservative Christians, side B celibate gay Christians view the LGBT rights movement in a relatively favorable way at least for leading to a decrease in homophobia, the feeling of disgust toward people who are homosexual, and with it, an ability to be open about their sexual orientation, even if that is only to recognize it as fallen and disordered. On this view, the progressivism that motivated the LGBT rights movement included a proper Christian element of concern for the outcast, the societal leper. On the other hand, it remains a question whether Christians who uphold a biblical sexual morality are just doing that or are also expressing homophobic disgust and discrimination. This is a critique of the religious right and cultural conservatism that cannot be ignored. For example, we have to decide whether to take the path of Jerry Falwell or that of Francis Schaeffer in our approach to the same-sex attracted. Quote, when Jerry Falwell in private brought up the issue of gay people with Francis Schaeffer, Schaefer commented that it was a complicated issue. Falwell shot back a rejoinder. If I had a dog that did what they do, I'd shoot it. There was no humor in Falwell's voice. Afterward, Schaefer said to his son, that man is really disgusting. If Christians view all accusations of homophobia, sexism, and racism as baseless, they ignore the history of and temptation to prejudice in place of biblical faithfulness. Schaefer was biblically faithful. Falwell was prejudiced. And which figure has been more influential in the popular political evangelical movement since 1980? Christian strategies for today. Where does this leave us? 
American culture has changed post-2014 in unique and new ways, and Christian ministry and life has a new cultural context to which it must adjust. That cultural context cannot be singularly captured by the idea of the negative world. Wren has written often about the need to develop new ministry strategies for the negative world, as opposed to the culture warrior strategy of the positive world and the cultural engager strategy of the neutral world. What strategy is appropriate to our own new world? To begin with, I think we need to understand the material conditions and psychological conditions of our context much better, with attention to Haidt's descriptions as well as those of other social and psychological researchers. In light of the progressivism of our moment, I think adopting side B would be one method for being better received, recognizing the Christian source of concern for sexual minorities, not to mention the validity of side B's claims. Likewise, embracing the new openness to Christianity, even if only on cultural and political grounds, would be advantageous for our intellectual and evangelistic approach. Ayan Hirsi Ali's conversion, as well as that of Paul Kingsnorth, are two examples from different political and moral places of the way that secular appreciation of Christianity is leading people to embrace Christianity personally. In his last public statement, Tim Keller quite directly defended his approach against Aaron Wren's claim that it was designed for the neutral world. Keller argued that New York was already in the negative world a long time before. While I do think there is a legitimate critique of those aping Keller's approach, Keller himself is a model of how to engage with a culture that is negative toward Christianity, especially on moral grounds. Avoiding fear, being intellectually open and curious, and pursuing effectiveness, I believe it is time to give winsome Christian witness, combined with prudence, another try.